So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. This week, we give you the best of Kyrie proposing a new league and his group chat with Nets players. Any player who chooses not to participate in the restart of the NBA on June 30th must let their team know by June 24th. Dak Prescott's new contract that he's supposed to sign, but did he get what he want? Cap joins a new media group for change. The NCAA bans championship in Mississippi, along with a noose being found in the Talladega garage of Bubba Watson, Bubba Watson, the only full-time black driver. But before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and get introduce the host. My name is Alex. Mom, go ahead and say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening. And make sure you also subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yes, yes, yes. Press that subscribe. We're going to be even more active very soon here. Sports are going to really, really ramp up as we're under two weeks away from the restart of the NBA, which will have multiple upon multiple games per day. Uh, But we begin with the outrageousness that happened in NASCAR. As NASCAR in uh, Talladega kind of had a bad cloud over it as a noose was found in the Talladega garage of Bubba Watson, the Cup Series only full-time black driver. So it's I can just go ahead and ask, do you see things like this continuing to happen during more races this year? Oh, yeah, definitely, because the races have come out in droves at this point. Um, And NASCAR has many of those fans and we can see. And the only way that this news could get into the locker room area was because of somebody who works there or is a racer or a part of any type of crew. So this is connected to in I mean, any of the people who are employed by NASCAR and they are waiting to find out or they are investigating to find out who is uh, behind this. And I think things like this will con- will continue until we can um, get rid of it. I definitely agree. And uh, I just think a lot of things like this is going to happen. I just I thought it kind of jumped kind of pretty far already ahead of pace. I thought it would lead up to the noose. But uh, yeah, they, they came out strong. Um, they also had the pre-verbal they, as in people who are really behind the, um, the support of the Confederate flag, also had a banner flying above Talladega the day before, actually the day of, um, with the Confederate flag. Um, so I really don't see a lot of change as a lot of this is instilled in a lot of whites in the South, I really wouldn't say it's of any other race. Um, and I think that's mostly due to a lot of their descendants being from people who fought in the uh, in the Confederate War, in, in the Civil War. There are actually more people died in the Civil War where America fought America. And that's, of course, you know, uh, we, we can go in between the lines of whether it was black and white and who was on what side and uh, who fought for what. But there's more uh, people American war-wise died in the Civil War than they did in any other wars. So they're really not looking to let go of even their old history. This will continue to happen. Yes, this will definitely continue to happen until, I guess, I don't know how you can change somebody's mindset whenever they have grown up that way, but we have to try as much as possible. Yeah, and I even there even a portion of Confederate flag holders and representatives who feel that they're not even being racist by having that Confederate flag. They're they're really pent on this uh, whole it's my heritage type thing. But in that position, I would ask, can you go to Germany now and find any Nazi flag? I'll just propose that. 
And that's not a question. That's just just, just a really just a statement. Yeah, yeah, you you cannot find any of those, not that I know of. But yeah, it's that flag has a terrible history. What it symbolizes, it symbolizes that it was for slavery, and that's what the war was over. Um, and people just want to change it to whatever they want to with that flag, but that flag does not represent um, good things today. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, the meaning of things do change, and it really hasn't changed at all uh, with the meaning of this flag. So we do the outside, I guess, looks at it the same way versus the people who are so proud of the Confederate flag. But so if NASCAR is really serious about this Confederate flag ban, what can they really do to uphold their new position on the racist actions of fans in NASCAR? Well, I think that they can continue to do what they have been doing. They have really been pretty proactive um, banning the flag and saying that they're going to get down to the bottom of who placed that noose in the locker room of Bubba Wallace and um, just continue to open themselves up to really how every other league is. I mean, none of that stuff flies in every other league where you got a Confederate flag as one of the mainstays as uh, I mean of the sport. Um, so I think really the, just continue doing what they're doing. I wouldn't say continue what you're doing because it's not working. It's just not working. It wasn't working before there was more eyes pointed towards social injustice. It's not working now. Uh, we've already seen two races in that it's not, it's not working. Um, they've, they've made it into now a, Confederate flag holders versus Bubba Watson. Bubba Watson, for some reason, out of nowhere, has now become the target of all the social injustice towards him in NASCAR simply because he's the only black one who's a full-time one there. That is just a process of him being there. And it really does suck for him as they are making it very strong that they want black people or people of a certain skin tone to be in a certain place. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. There, there has to be some type of extra thing that they do, but I don't know exactly what that is. I, I think that they just have to continue doing what they're doing and just look for different avenues to get at least some of that racism out. Um, I'm not sure if you can get all of it, but you can, you, you can make progress from where you are right now. I, I definitely hear you, but I, I don't even think the people who worked for NASCAR for all of these years fully are behind this band. Yeah, I'm talking about the concession people. I'm talking about the people who've lived this life for a very long time, uh, since the earlier stages of NASCAR into its somewhat prominence now. Um, so it, it would take all of those people being very on one side about this. And I just don't see that being the people who work for NASCAR outside of the, the public uh, figures. I mean, that could be right. But I mean, to me, I really don't care if NASCAR sure. succeeds or, or doesn't succeed. I mean, it could disappear. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I, I can definitely agree. I definitely agree. But we cannot stand for the noose uh, being threatened by a noose simply because you, uh, they were banned from the organization from using a flag that w should have been retired many, many, many years ago. Um, so last question on this. Do you think they will find the video of the culprit? Video? Mm, um, I mean, you know, there's a current investigation, right? You know, there's a, there's a current investigation of who did it. Yeah, there's an investigation, but that doesn't mean you have a video. <laughs> Honestly, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to come up with a video. And I don't see why you couldn't come up with a video pretty fast. Like, this is a garage with very expensive items. It, it can't be too hard to sum it down to a certain amount of people. Probably, but I'm not sure. I mean, that's uh, I, I'm not I'm not sure how NASCAR works. <laughs> No, I, I hear you, but I'm I'm saying it. They they work like almost any other business, especially when it's high priority uh, items in certain places. Um, 
if there's cameras around it in the vicinity, in a corner, you can figure out who came inside that stadium that uh, day. You can uh, decide who came around that area that day. There's, I'm pretty sure there is cameras galore. Cameras do not cost expensive anymore. And what, what place would have it more than in a arena where you need to protect a large amount of people? So I, I just don't see why they wouldn't find it. Actually, I do know why they wouldn't find it. But at the same time, they should find it. Yeah, they, they definitely should find it in a world where everybody has a camera phone and cameras are all around the place in corners. But that doesn't mean they have a video. But, um, I mean, we'll just wait and see. And I just, I feel like somebody has, like, if this goes through and nobody seems to be found to have done it, because uh, as somebody on another uh a show said this more than ha- more than likely happened with more than one person did this happen with um with a, a at least a group of friends minimum two in this situation so the reason why i think it could disappear is because it could be somebody who could really look bad on nascar and nascar just doesn't need to start pointing fingers towards an actual person towards race because then they're gonna have to destroy their whole character I don't even think it is a fan who did it. I think it is somebody who is associated with NASCAR in some measure. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying before. No fan has any entryway into the place where the, the noose was placed. So it has to be somebody employed by NASCAR or in, in some type of way. Honestly, my first person that I'm going to uh, go interview is a buddy who quit nascar the first day that they said they were banning the uh, flag like it was dependent on his check that'd be a place to start (laughs) (laughs) that would be the first place that i would be going but there really isn't a reason in this world of technology and such a big day for them not to find somebody who is to blame yeah they can definitely find somebody um i'm just not sure about video yeah, it, it's outrageous enough. And I, I think there is enough of somebody out there who wants to place some kind of claims to it in a way, even in a small network of people, that it, it should be able to get back out. Because NASCAR needs to white out this black eye. Uh, forgive me for this exact terminology I even used. So uh, I, I move on. Move on to basketball with Kyrie and his proposal to of a new league as he suggested to players in a group chat with his other Nets uh, teammates. So, do you feel Kyrie has the influence among the other players to have them take this idea seriously? I think he has the influence to a certain degree, but not completely. And especially this time, because he didn't have a plan. He just kind of mentioned it, and it just got some traction because it's Kyrie Irving, and he just goes back and forth. But I don't think many of these players are going to take this seriously. I think Kyrie wants to be the ideas guy who who does the daily grind, who has to go through uh, talking to the licensed people and uh, these organizations. I don't think he ever fully, even when he makes these statements, ever think he is that person who will be spearheading this campaign, even though he's the idea person behind it. I personally think he just wants to be the idea guy and get the credit for the idea as the other people do the the grunt type work i think he'll do the overall work but the grunt type work the small things that people don't get credit for i don't think that is Kyrie, and i think other people understand that or have that feeling about him also that he is not the follow-through guy he might come up with some good ideas here and that he's great for a, a team as long as he is happy but he is not always the follow through guy. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think about that question, though? <laughs> about that question, whether I feel he would have enough influence. No, I, I think. In general, that idea is a, a very good idea to work on. It, it takes real planning, real even gen, the, even the general um, suggestion of it need to have some type of structure behind that general idea. If it was LeBron, he's going to say, hey, we're going to look into 
five years from now, progressively looking at other opportunities, uh, other different venues, uh, gaining certain contracts to where we may have all uh, attract enough players to a different league versus, hey, we're in a group chat. We should start our own league because we actually control the league. That's it, it's it's too out there with no real idea. Yeah, I agree. He just kind of threw the threw the idea out there without a plan. And that's probably Kyrie Irving in a nutshell. And it is. I really like Kyrie as a player and person. But when it comes to certain things, there's just no seriousness I would take uh, about it. I, I just wouldn't, um, especially something even like this, because I would think that he would get two weeks into really trying to follow through on this idea. He's gotten enough people actually excited about the idea and he drops off the map. Um, I mean, I'm not going to assassinate his character like that, but um, yeah, he, he's not going to exactly follow through. Yeah. I, I, like for example, his, uh, his general statement about um, not returning to the NBA, which was following him finding out from the NBA that they were not allowing him to go to Orlando uh, but behind that, he's uh, his comment of saying, I don't think we should return to play due to the social injustice uh, as something smells fishy. Something smells fishy doesn't, that means I don't really know what's wrong, but there's something wrong, which doesn't really solve anything, especially when you're deciding a lot of people's incomes and lives off of a, Oh, something don't smell right. But uh, to move it along, have we seen the last days of Kyrie and the league cooperating, especially considering he is the vice president of the MBPA right under Chris Paul? I'm not sure how their voting works, but yes, I, I can I can definitely see that because um, Kyrie has become a, a bit of a problem over the years. Um, he got himself out of, out of Cleveland um, left the Celtics out to hang or out to dry um, because he didn't feel like he fit in and then went with the Nets. So it's just a trail of him just leaving behind a, a bad taste in people's mouths and he's burning bridges. And I don't think he has the best communication. So I definitely see the split happening. Yeah, good idea. Uh, you believe him in a moment, but you might want to check in in about two weeks on how he actually feels about the situ- same situation um, as he did with the Celtics and even the Nets ownership uh, shortly after he signed with them, had a kind of a, uh, a issue with them when he went to China, as that has actually been brushed behind all the other things has put him in the media. But uh, we move on to the NBA's restart, which will start June 30th, less than two weeks from now. Uh, but as details about this return has come about, uh, a lot of uh, a little bit of questions have actually come up about whether they can actually conduct these things. So any NBA player who chooses not to participate in the restart must notify their team by June 24th. NBA, the NBA has also created a violations hotline and a daily schedule is set for players. As I'll, I'll briefly run down a daily schedule of what, how each day will go for players, many, many players, staff, and coaches. Uh, 8 a.m. to 9.30, uh, they're at home. And that's a team breakfast at the hotel. 9.30, transportation to the court. 10 a.m., team shoot, shoot around. 11 a.m. to 11.30, transportation to the hotel. 11.30 to 1.30, Post shoot around lunch from 1.30 to 4.30 downtown at a hotel from 4.30 to 5 pregame, pregame transportation uh, from 5 to 6.15 court access for warm up 6.15 to 6.45 pregame meetings in locker room 6.40 to 7 pregame warm up and 7 uh, to 7.10 for blowout or pregame introductions. Uh, after those games, at 9.40 to 9.50, post-game uh, team me- meeting for 10 minutes. And then at 9.50 to 9- to 10.20, 30 minutes, uh, you have the post-game media availability, which has a minimum of two players. 
and then transportation to the hotel from 10 25 to 10 40 ending it off at 11 at the hotel for showers and meals available at the hotel i know that was a lot but it's important because that is a trend that they will have to maintain for close to two and a half months so does this daily schedule seem like something players and staff can really follow for what could be two and a half months time under covid protocol i think that they could follow this um if you're a person who likes to be consistent and on time, but for those players who, you know, they go with the wind, they're going to get tired of this very quickly because um, the schedule is very rigid. Um, it's like going to boarding school, except you're just playing basketball. Um, I'm not sure in that schedule where they have time for the amenities, you know, like playing golf and, um, whatever else, maybe video games, but I can see this being old or getting old very quickly. Yeah, I, I think this is getting very, very old. They're not used to a lot of things that are happening to them this year and this season. Um, that constant grind for two and a half months, uh, there is no outside side source. This is the bubble. You do not get to, and I, and forgive me for stating this, but you don't get to go out to have sex. You don't get to be around your family. You don't get to uh, resolve issues in person with family, uh, spouse, or otherwise. You do not get to go to anything outside of the bubble. You do not, you get anything that's imported into the bubble. And even then, I think that's going to be limited. This is a long, long span of time to be in a uh, tournament high school type uh, setting as high school tournaments most times don't last more than two weeks if that um, so I think this will be a struggle for not only just the players to maintain but the staff the uh, the staff the trainers and the coaches and that's for all 22 teams there's 22 teams yeah it's definitely going to be a struggle but as the season progresses those teams will get kicked out yeah, I, I, I can. Yeah, you're definitely right because the first two weeks—that's the only time that these all thirty, sorry, all twenty-two teams are guaranteed to be there. Uh, which, which would be those first two weeks of the regular season that they're playing for seeding in this restart. Uh, and you can uh, probably account for at least one another week and a half of the first round of the playoffs. As they, I think they even may give them a couple of days rest before that um, that run for the playoffs. So I would say even at the minimum, they're going to be in there roughly a month at at a minimum for what that percentage of teams that will still be out on the first round. Actually, uh, I'll go ahead and ask, uh, do you see any players sabotaging, sabotaging themselves to get out of quarantine protocol? Yeah, I, I definitely do see that, especially the teams that know that they're not going to go anywhere. Um, even though they did add a couple of teams that aren't in the the current playoff um, setup, they're just going to sabotage it and, you know, just try to get prepared for next year because they don't really care about coming back. They know they're not going to make it. They know that they don't have a chance um, of winning the championship. And if they don't have that chance, you know, why not get out of it? Agree, oh, because uh, this seems it would seem to be sort of like torture other than the fact that you're getting a pretty large paycheck. But uh, will, will we see an unexpected amount of NBA players sit, sit out of uh, this NBA restart? I think we have to go to the, the, the teams that don't have anything to play for, for the most part. Those teams that are trying to get into that eighth seed. Because um, really, it, it, it's almost pointless to try to get in that eighth seed if you if you don't think that you have enough talent because I mean th this virus just keeps spreading the numbers keep going up and up especially in Florida and here in South Carolina and North Carolina so it's I can definitely see a lot of players sabotaging and setting out okay I, I definitely respect that uh, but I don't see that many sitting out due to paychecks due to income that did not income. Uh, so this is their chance to get that income. It's not. It's really not about fame. 
um, you're really just playing for the game and for the money at this point when you're at the bottom of that list. So I would say to this question, um, will we see an unexpected amount of NBA players sit out during this NBA restart? I think it's going to be a, a possible slow process. Like, I, actually, I'm not even sure whether they are going to count there to be a penalty against players who choose not to play after the season restart has started. Now, I think that may be the bigger issue. Yeah, you, you just might have that. And that's just going to be a difficult situation. I, I don't know what the NBA is going to do in that situation, but it'll be very interesting. Yeah, it's and I know this is a random thought, but I think that it's all the pressure all the way around is going to be on LeBron. It seems like this is not a that I'm pulling out of nowhere, but if we're just looking at how Skip Bayless views LeBron and a lot of other people who dislike LeBron view LeBron in that same way, it's going to work to his disadvantage and to his advantage. Now, if he wins, hey, uh, everybody dropped out. It was not the same equal standards. Uh, you should put an asterisk on the seat. If he does not make it to the final and win, there's, uh, there's no excuse. Everybody's dropped out. Uh, you should have been able to win under these lower standards. So to kind of uh, pull it in, I, I think that a lot of this pressure is going to be on Le- centered around LeBron, whether it ends good or bad for him, and it really won't matter for almost any other star. Um, I wouldn't say it wouldn't matter, but yeah, LeBron would take the most heat. Oh, nope. I, well, since you said that, that, then which player do you think would take heat for not winning a championship other than LeBron? Well, I'm saying in the case of them winning it. Well, I, yeah, I'm saying the same thing. Take heat for it. Not hey, uh, get them next time. I mean, take real heat for not winning it. No, no, I'm Is talking there... about winning. I'm talking about winning. I'm not talking about anybody not winning. So like, let's right. let's uh, let, let's say kidding. Westbrook and Harden, they win. They yeah. will take a little bit of heat. That's what I'm saying. But compared well, to LeBron, his will be even more. That, that's all I'm saying. I would say that all those other players have more to gain than to lose. They have way more to gain than lose. Even LeBron, because that same, it really anybody would have a lot to gain instead of to lose. But I don't see any player taking real heat for not winning the championship in this year other than LeBron. Like, if you win, you get all the credit in the world if you're not LeBron or on the Lakers. If you're uh, a player who is LeBron, you're gonna it's gonna get discredited no matter what. So let's say it is Westbrook and Harden, they're gonna get all the credit in the world for their first championship. It's gonna be like it's gonna rain in. But if they don't make it, it won't matter. Even if it's Giannis, even if it's Kawhi, even if it's almost any other player. Yeah, I, I wasn't talking about the not winning factor. That I wasn't taking that into account. <laughs> yeah, I was saying about Heat towards not winning. Like, there's no way that no other player has – there's no other player in the whole league or in this whole tournament will take any flat for not losing. And he he won't get as much credit for winning. Yeah, I agree. LeBron's going to take all the heat either way. Yeah. So, um, But I'm moving on to the NFL. And with Dak Prescott finally choosing or saying that he will be – signing the franchise tag of $31.4 million tender this week. So both sides have until July 15th to reach a long-term deal, as it has been a battle uh, over a, a long period of time, even the full season and this offseason. So is there any reason for the Cowboys to reach a long-term deal with Dak, with him planning to sign this franchise tag? I think they should try to get a deal done as fast as possible because the longer you wait, the more money you're going to have to try to pay him because the money just keeps going up and up every year to pay a quarterback. Um, Really, they should have did this, I don't know, a year or two ago, at least last year. So um, they really have to push forward to try to get him to at least a four or five year contract so they can move past this. Uh, 
I hear you, but um, I don't think there's any reason for them to sign this contract. I think they've they've been shopping the whole time. Um, it's that uh, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush type of situation, and they don't look at it like that. They look at it like two in the bush is better than this one in my hand that I have for sure. Okay. Um, but, I mean, when you have your franchise quarterback locked up, that's the best possible scenario for you. Yeah, I, I definitely hear, but I think they're, they've still been interviewing the entire process. Even though they he looked good, he sounded good, he, he makes the right actions, um, overall, he could be a, a, a perfect type of Cowboys quarterback. But they're like, hey, but what else is out there? That's why they signed. Uh, who was the backup quarterback that they just signed? Um, Andy Dalton. Uh, Andy Dalton. Like Andy Dalton. I think that is what they view themselves as their starting quarterback. So for the Cowboys, whether there's a benefit for them to do it, I don't think in their eyes it is. In the overall scheme of, yes, quarterback cost goes up each year and all of that. Uh, outside of that, no, because there already has been rumors of there being a lockout very soon, uh, which could still work in the Cowboys' favor. Well, the only way that they get a lockout is if they don't have the season, because they've already signed all those contracts to skip the lockout. Yeah, So, uh, but I, I guess I'll uh, move it on, because we could always dive into that. But is it time to have the conversation about why the Cowboys haven't wanted to sign the long-term deal like him not being the quote unquote image of the Cowboy quarterback they want. Well, I think that many people have had these conversations for, I mean, really they've had too many conversations. So I've kind of got tired of it, but um, I think Dak Prescott is one of the best quarterbacks that you can have lead your franchise. Cause he's that guy that's going to, promote your franchise in a great way. He's a great leader. Um, he shows it on the field. And he's, I, he's a, I think, probably number 10 he, as far as number of quarterbacks. He's top 10 at number 10 as far as uh, overall quarterbacks. Yeah, so I, I can completely agree with you. I think Dak is worth the money. I think Cowboys should sign him. I, I'm definitely in that same boat. Uh, it's, I'm more leaning towards the perception of the Cowboys towards Dak. Now, this question is, is it time to have the conversation about why the Cowboys haven't signed him to that long-term deal? It is time. It's time, uh, especially right now, because on the low, we all know the idea of the Cowboys quarterback is a white male certain type of structure uh, quarterback for Dallas specifically because it is a southern state. Um, and I think that is what is partially holding them from signing him because he smells right. He 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 deals right. He 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 throws right. He 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 says the right things. And there even is a, a little bit of incentive for them to be sympathetic as he has just lost his brother uh to death. So I, I think there is an underlying feeling that the Cowboys would prefer a white quarterback who has everything that Dak has versus Dak with what Dak has. Yeah, that could be a factor um, because historically they have had successful white quarterbacks and that's what they've, you know, kind of promoted. But it's a new day. There sure. are so many black quarterbacks out there that have been successful they need to get past it. I agree. Uh, so do you think they would have signed him to a long-term deal before now if he was white? Maybe. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's a guarantee. No, it's not a guarantee. Not at all. But are you leaning towards that being a, a, a big possibility? I'm going to say 55%. Okay, so I'm, that, that's enough. That is just a tiny a, bit. Yeah, I, I would I would say the same. And that that's that tiny bit that's keeping them from signing the long term deal. 
they want the long-term deal, but only at a certain price because it's not the image. Personally, what I think, the image they want by color. Because I really do think by all the numbers and everything Dax done, said, and conducted himself, he, uh, that long-term deal would have been happening. Really, I think it's more about his draft stock than anything. I, I don't think it had too much to do with his color. Mm. So, uh, what do you mean by draft stock? Uh, maybe I'm not where he was. Enough. Where he was drafted, he was drafted in the third or fourth round, and they're just saying you need to, you know, be happy for this money that we're trying to give you because so, you you weren't thought of as what you are right now, or think you are. I hear you, but would you have that same mental towards Tom Brady? I know the Patriots had that same mental towards Tom Brady, but would you have that same uh, mental towards Tom Brady if you were the uh, Cowboys? Maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, that's that's a lot of thinking and going back that you have to do. <laughs> yeah, we could kind of go in and there, but I think at this point, since they've stuck themselves so hard in the mud, but they're on this, we really like you, Dak but take the discount, then it's, it's about time to at least have the conversation because there's no real reason to point out on why they haven't. Yeah, I mean, I just point back to his where he was drafted. I, I think that that plays a huge role in this. I, I would say that, but yeah, but after a certain amount of years and you're proving yourself, you, you earn what you put out. If they didn't feel he was a starting quarterback for the future, in any capacity, then uh, they shit me thinking on this whole draft stock thing. Like, because the draft stock is how much how you view their stock before you get to see them play in the NFL. Uh, that really doesn't show exactly where they're going to end up in their success in the N- NFL, um, as we've seen many, 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 many times. I, I could, yeah, I can kind of agree if that that is their per- point of view. Okay, I can hear it. Uh, but I, I think it's counterproductive to think about where you drafted him versus where he's at today. I also think that where they think he is compared to other quarterbacks, they don't think he's on that level to deserve that much money. Mm, okay, yeah, that would be a better. Like if they were making a point, I, I guess. But if he's your future, or the, your quarterback of the future, put your whole self in, not halfway in. But. Um, uh, I'm moving along to Kaepernick, uh, a quarterback who doesn't have a job in the NFL, uh, but he has joined a new or signed a new contract with a website called Median to launch an interview series. So um, since we've kind of been over this many, many different times about what Cap should do, is this what Kaepernick's supporters want to see Kim actually do? I think that there are different types of Kaepernick supporters. The ones that saw him as an NFL quarterback, they want to see him back in the league and perform well and get to that Super Bowl that he was at before. And then there's the ones who are um, or really who are more for uh, social justice. And this is the approach that they want to see him do. But I mean, it, it depends on what type of fan that you are of Kaepernick. And I'm, I'm really of both, but I think he's more about social justice than about playing football at this point. I could agree. Um, I still don't think this is what Kaepernick supporters, either one, really wanted to see, uh, even social justice uh, ones. Um, maybe just because I'm not as versed into, in what Median, the website Median does, but I I just feel like Kaepernick has such a large stage. He has a worldwide stage right now that he has not been using, and maybe this is how he does it. But right now, I just don't see where this makes the change. Well, I I think what he's doing is trying to educate people and have uh, people of color, you know, know their rights get back to the community and donate and get other people who are in that same type of media, other professional athletes or celebrities to donate back to the community also. Man, it sounded like we, his supporters won a revolution and he gave them a podcast. 
<laughs> well, I mean, is it, is it not? Does it not feel that way? Um, I mean, he hasn't really come out and spoke a whole bunch, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess so. That's that's just the feeling I get from this. And even though I know I haven't seen what it actually does or what it will do, but I still think there's there's more to want from this position Kaepernick has. Um, and I think there's a small ball to the field he's in. He's choosing his field of play and it's seeming real small and hopefully it will be effective. So I'll go ahead and ask a last question here. Where do you see this possibly helping the black lives movement? Um, I mean, I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm really not sure. Education definitely helps. Uh, Money definitely helps putting back into the community, but um, it's it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Yeah, I, I I agree. That's what I'm saying. This is just it seems like people wanted a revolution, and he gave them a podcast. Uh, so we're not looking to get uh, give you more views uh, for these type of things, I, I guess. But to answer the question um, on how it could possibly help the Black Lives Movement, I, I, I did try to look on the positive side of things and seeing where it could make a difference. I could see this being a series of interviewing people who've had social injustice, people who don't have a voice uh, in the public where the other uh, media just won't put it out. But it, it still doesn't give me the feeling that it makes enough change. All around, I see this uh, turning into catch the next episode. And I think going down this road, he's building for a large disappointment that may hurt a legacy he want or may not want. Well, I mean, I can only hope for the best for him. I think he had already lost some fans when it came to going up against the NFL and getting that settlement and just, I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I, what I see happening is all right, everybody tunes in the first episode. If it don't hit on some revolutionary, I'm making giant change in this world, uh, LeBron, uh, I wish foundation, or what, what was the school he, isn't it I wish? I promise. I promise, sorry. I promise foundation. If it don't hit on that level, it, it's not going to be re- perceived very well. We, we live in a mean world. And even the most serious things, we will turn into a meme. It does not take much at all for a person to, be, to become a meme. And I, I, I think he is building himself for max three episodes before there's a section of Kaepernick supporters who are no longer supporting his now cause. Maybe. I mean, I, I think it was kind of heading that way especially with the NFL true but it, it, there's been a new resurgence of even people who didn't agree before to agree with him now just because it even sounds good or also because we're people want to make sure it is known that Kaepernick is vindicated by his protest yeah I mean it's it's just going to be very hard <laughs> I I really think he's building for a large disappointment that will lead to large criticism. Uh, but uh, we move it on to the NCAA and their ban of Mississippi. Well, a championship in Mississippi, uh, as the NCAA has banned the state of Mississippi for being a site for a future championship. So. Where do you see this decision coming from and why now? Um, I think it's coming from the people who get paid for, (laughs) who benefit from the championship being in Mississippi. Um, Whenever you're going to lose money, people start moving, getting up out of their seats and putting some, some plans into action. So, I mean, just look at what happened in Charlotte whenever they were supposed to have the all-star game 
they ended up having the All-Star game two two years later because they changed those rules that the NBA was looking for. So whenever money's involved, they're going to get their, their butts moving. I, I would agree. I, I definitely have to agree because uh, money is a large influencer in all business and especially sports. Um, so uh, I honestly don't fully get it. Because I, I guess they're banning the state flag with Confederate flag. Because to ban a full state, you're not banning a university. You're not banning a campus. You're not banning a fan base. You're banning a full state. So do you think that this was done to make Mississippi comply or is the NCAA really willing to cut out certain states from having them as championship locations? Yeah, I think they are definitely willing to do that. I mean, they have 49 other states where they can host a championship. Um, I'm pretty sure they're they're definitely willing to cancel out Mississippi if they don't um, listen to what they want. And I I mean, they'll, they'll be left behind. True, I doubt they're doing uh, championships in Alaska, but yeah, you're definitely right. They have 49 other other states to go to, uh, so you're you're completely right. Um, but honestly, I can't even really remember the last time Mississippi had a championship uh, in their state, so I, I'm not even fully sure how this affects any type of real change because I don't think this scares Mississippi to do anything. I think the NCAA. Even if they don't really feel this way, they should take the position that they do not care whether a state gets gets to participate in their championship round because they're not banning them from participating in the full NCAA program. They're not banning colleges. They're not banning people from being a part of the money thing that keeps it flowing. But they're also but they're banning them as a state because they are one of the biggest representations of the confederate flag especially when it is a part of their state flag but i think they will change their minds about this the the state and they they will do some type of um getting rid of the flag i i don't know about that i honestly don't really think that to be true um we've seen how instilled these people are in their ways in the south we've already seen very shortly a noose towards somebody who really did not affect the ban of the Confederate flag other than being black like many millions of other people. He just so happens to be the one black driver who's full-time there. So I, I don't think they make this decision to change anything. I think they stick their foot in their mud and they say even more that this is tradition and we're not changing anything. Screw you. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I could see it either way. I mean, but it's just going to suck for them. Yeah, and honestly, I think the NCAA gives in before the uh, Mississippi does. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's who's really pushing it, the NCAA. Yeah, but I, I think they give in. I think the NCAA gives in and says, oh, it's okay for us to have a championship here before Mississippi decides to actually ban that flag. I don't think Mississippi is that much of a hot spot to host a championship, so I don't think that really matters. True. Very true. Very true on that note. <laughs> but so I, I'll move it to the next question. Is it the NCAA's day next in the public court of opinion for racial injustice very soon? Definitely, because football season is supposed to be coming up. And if the players have to play while other students don't have to be on campus, then there's going to be a lot of talk about are the players pro athletes or not and pushing for injustice. Because, I mean, pushing for justice, social justice, because most of the football players are black or minority. Yeah, uh, I have to agree. It's going to be very soon there. They have so many large amounts of underlying and overt um, racist ways that it has just been the way of 
college, it, it, college football, college, college sports. Um, but I like to see the numbers on, like you presented, where these uh, football players are going to be there playing, but college students won't be there. I want to see the numbers on how many swimmers are going to still be on campus. How many? I, I, I can say tennis players can be because it's it's a limited amount of people. But when it comes to these certain sports, how many of these people are still going to be on the court when it's mostly dominated by the white race? I know that may be a little bit too far, but it may need to be at least observed. Well, most likely they won't be there because they won't have the money for them. (laughs) True. That is a whole nother. I agree. Okay. Uh, All right. It solves itself because their programs don't produce enough money to even care to bring them back. So once again, it will go back towards social uh, justice or social injustice. And how much do you really care for these these students and the relationship between being professional and non-professional as you are endangering them, their lives for money that they do not gain? Which is a proverbially slavery. Yeah, I, I agree. There has to be some more conversations about this. And um, well, in the state of Florida, they did allow or they signed some type of bill where student athletes are able to get endorsements starting next summer. True. OK, so um, how do you think the NCAA would deal with? or go about dealing with players who choose to sit out due to fear of COVID? I think that they will just take away their scholarship, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's all they can really do. All they can really do? That's their, That could ruin their whole life. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, but I, I'm just saying that's all that they can do is just take away their scholarship. They can't really fire them. Yeah, but they technically are they're firing them from the uh the educational slavery that they're in uh, they they do not have a step towards a quote-unquote better future uh with this university if they do not participate even though it is very very uh smart or to at least consider the possibility of not being around hundreds of people who could all possibly give you COVID in such a context sport so I, I, I would like to see, because I think there will be some problems that comes about uh, when it comes to starting the NCAA football season, because they are not going to be willing to get let go of that income as it is probably the first or second uh, producer of income for colleges outside of the high uh, tuition that is coming from these students. Uh, but endorsement wise, hands down, it has been over the past two decades uh, basketball and football that produces the most money for universities. Um, and the NCAA has already taken one hit with March Madness not happening this past season. Uh, so last question, how can the NCAA affect real change? The leaders of the NCAA can demand that things change and they go to the Supreme Court and I mean, they we hear their voice. We we get their whole backing behind this because those dudes make plenty of money. They have a lot of power and they can drive some real change. Uh, I, I think it's they just need to solve their all around problem and just pay the players like it was scave off so much criticism for uh, a substantial amount of time. I think they get a five to seven year extension on the injustice system they already have set up if they decide to pay these players a little bit. But affecting real change, and if we're talking about change of social, uh, like racially uh, in this system, I say you... God, it's, it's so hard because it's it's unfathomable for a university to back black students so hard like to support them in uh diversity just uh, hey go play the piano also or or uh we're gonna give more money towards you because you're more uh less income and just any of those certain things i think would be viewed as um affirmative action and may have a backlash 
if they did it that way. So I, I think they just got to pay the players. They got to pay the players and they can scave off criticism for uh, a good amount of years before it cracks down even more and they realize what they're really producing and what players really should have. Yeah, I agree. That's the easy way out, but they need to do more than that. <laughs> yeah, I, I and I, I, it's hard for me to even say, like, it, it should be an easy question to say, what can they do to affect change? Oh, more protest or not protest, because protests, I don't think fully make any real change. It just gets a certain population of people who are against you even more against you. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. But I, 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 I they're going to have to wholeheartedly feel that they want to uplift black students to a better standard than they've had them at before. That's that's it. They're gonna have to fully wholeheartedly feel that way. Otherwise, it will always it will come up short a whole lot of times. That is it is more than short for the past fifty shoot the since the whole system has been created. Yeah, they they, they definitely have to do more work. Um, but it's gonna take some years. Yeah, I am, but I don't think the public is going to allow that those years, especially. If they don't go ahead and play to pay the players and the players start to ask for what they really are supposed to be asking for. But uh, we'll end it there. And this has been So You Think You Know Sports. So we'll get to the last part, which, like always, is multiple choice. Muhammad comes up with questions. I try to answer the questions and give you a little bit of uh, information on what I do know about it. May get it right, may get it wrong, but definitely guess along with me. Go ahead with that first question, Muhammad. Who had the most assists ever? In an NBA game, A, Magic Johnson, B, Jason Kidd, or C, John Stockton? Those are some very good selections. Those are assist masters right there. Um, Man, that is a hard selection. Like, that's – wow. Uh, go ahead again with the question and answer because I'm really not sure. Who had the most assists ever in an NBA game? A, Magic Johnson, B, Jason Kidd, or C, John Stockton? Boy, this is, like, so hard because those are, like, assist masters. Those are, those are like, three of the top assist gods out here. So that makes it extremely hard. Um, Jason Kidd's game was majorly predicated on assists, along with uh, Nash. Oh, you, actually, you said Steve Nash or who was it? Uh, Stockton. It was Stockton, right? Yeah. Okay, Stockton. Um, and Magic Johnson definitely was an assist master, but I'll go ahead and answer it. And uh, I say it's Stockton. I think it's Stockton. That's wrong. It's Magic oh. Johnson. Wow. Oh, I didn't think it was Magic. For some reason, I thought it got broken later on uh, by one of the other two. All right. So. What year did Roger Goodell take over as the NFL commissioner? A, 2004, B, 1999, or C, 2006? Roger Goodell. And I know it's not in the 90s, so I'm definitely not about to choose the 90s. Um, man, that does make it hard. One more time for that question and answer. What year did Roger Goodell take over as the NFL commissioner? A, 2004, B, 1999, or C, 2006? I really think it's 2006. I really, really do. I don't remember it, it being 2004. So I'll say 2006. That's correct. Ah, okay. Got a good one. Got one. One for one. All right. right. We got the last one. <laughs> Which of the following pro soccer players has scored the most goals ever for the Brazilian national team? A. Neymar. B. Pele. Or C. Lionel Messi. Oh, well, Lionel Messi didn't play for Brazil, so I don't. As far as I remember, um, and I'm not super versed in soccer, but I don't think he played for Brazil. Um, and Pele is that man, but Neymar is that man now. So 
Neymar is the greatest soccer player ever. <laughs> and I'm trying to think because hey, hey, oh. and Lionel Messi is my favorite. Even though I know Pele was the best ever. You um, said Neymar. That's why I was laughing. Oh, I'm sorry. Messi is my favorite. No, no, you uh, said Neymar was the best ever. That's why I was laughing. Oh, I didn't mean to say Neymar. I meant Pele. Pele is the best ever. Pele was the greatest uh, soccer player ever. But I was just going to answer. I'll say Pele. I'm going to just go ahead and go with Pele because he did play That's for Brazil. Correct. That's yeah. correct. That's yeah, so correct. Messi plays for Argentina. Yeah, that's what I was like. He's never played for Brazil, as far as I know. It's Argentina. It's light blue and white. I know a little bit, know a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, so you uh, got two out of three. Yeah, better than sometimes. But <laughs> this has been So You Think You Know Sports. See you next week.